0: I'm excited for all of us today because we are joined today by a very special guest. He has just become such a dear friend uh, to this church and to me personally. He's just one of my favorite human beings on the planet, I think. Ingolf Schmidt, if you have been fortunate enough to hear him speak before. I know you'll be excited about this. If you haven't, you're in for a treat. Ingolf is a pastor in the city of Leipzig, Germany, and just has an incredible testimony. I don't know if he'll tell his testimony, but born and raised in communist East Germany. there behind the Iron Curtain. The Lord grabbed him, saved him. He started an underground church there, the secret church in East Germany. And then after the wall fell, continued that church. And today, pastor, is just a beautiful congregation in a free united germany the city church leipzig and is a wonderful evangelist all over the world ministers is right now he's ministering all over the united states bringing a good word uh, to churches all across this land and uh, so let's just give my friend ingolf schmidt a great texas welcome this morning will you thank you so much thank you
1: thank you Thank you. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. I told Pastor uh, last month, uh, it was my birthday, and uh, I'm 64 now. And a friend called me, and he said, you don't look like 64. You look like 63. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm waiting for his birthday. All right, uh, thank you pastor for having me here. It's a great blessing, great honor to be here, to be back in America. Like pastor said, we live in very challenging times right now and this is, I've never seen something like that before, you know. I mean, churches shutting down, we couldn't, we have three shutdowns in Germany. The longest one was seven months and it was terrible. I enjoyed it the first week, first weekend, you know. Uh, but then I thought th- uh, something is wrong here. So, anyway, um, I'd like to talk to you uh, this morning about um, in or about the last days, and how to be prepared for the last days. What to do in the last days. Um, I don't tell you when Jesus is coming back because I don't know that. But um, Jesus, he gave us some very clear warnings or advices uh, about the last days. Before we do that, I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful service. I thank you for the opportunity to serve your people. But without your help, I can't do that. Holy Spirit, open every heart and use me, help me to teach and preach and prophesy your word to your precious people. Holy Spirit, use my words like little seeds in prepared ground so that they will have a big fruit. So, Holy Spirit, uh, help me to teach and preach here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Luke 17 Uh, Jesus is talking uh, about the last days. And you know, uh, this whole COVID thing hit uh, almost every church pretty hard. Uh, But also, uh, all the churches, they had to update their electronic equipment, all they have to preach on on cameras. and, And so we do that in Germany too now. And um, I was preaching this morning, actually, because, uh, uh, to our church. I taped it yesterday, and they they recorded it yesterday, and this morning uh, I was in our church. So it's a good thing. And we had a literature critic. Uh, he was, uh, one TV station, they, they tried to give him an award. And he said, I don't take this award. He said, because the quality of TV is horrible today. And he said, TV makes smart people more smart, but stupid people more stupid. (laughs) And I think that's the same with COVID. COVID made dedicated people more dedicated and lazy people more lazy. So I think you are the good people here this morning. (laughs) So, all right, Jesus is talking about the last days, and he reminds us about the times of Noah. You know, there was 120 years' time to repent. There was 120 uh, years' time to get right with God. But then there was a time when God shut the door. And then he reminds us about uh, Lord's wife. Luke 17, 32, he said, Remember Lot's wife. What's happened to Lot's wife? And we know Abraham, he got and he got, God talked to him and said, Get out of your country, get out of your family, out of your father's house, to a land I will show you. Uh, He was not. Uh, strong enough, not physical strong, in his personality because his father went with him and that caused it a delay for a few years. But after his father died he took Lot but he shouldn't he, it, he sh- was not supposed to take Lot, his nephew, on his journey to that promised land. Lot um, came with his uncle, the the old rabbis, they say he took Lot because he felt responsible because his brother died, so he took Lot with him. So they came to this area and they became pretty wealthy. I'm not talking this morning about prosperity or anything like that, but that's how it was. He became wealthy. And if you hang around with people who smart people, you become a smart person. If you hang around with people who make stupid decisions, you become a stupid person. Uh, So, Lot was hanging around with his uh, uncle and Abraham, he became wealthy because he he made the right decisions, Uh, he became very prosperous, and so Lot also became very prosperous. But then uh, uh, they, there was a level, now uh, this land where they lived, they couldn't hold all these two families, all these two, so there was a strife going on between Lot's shepherds and Abraham's shepherds. And strife is never good. Uh, you see that here in America, uh, a house divided in himself will not stand. I'm concerned about America because America is deeply divided. And that's not good. But also, we have to see that in families, if you're divided, it will not stand. So we have to deal with strife. And so Lot was a peacemaker. And I um, grew up a little bit under Brother Samuel, Lester Summerall. He was a great apostle, great missionary. And he always said, uh, faith gives the first choice to the other person. And so Lot, uh, Abraham, talked to him and said, it's not good that we are in strife here. Choose the land you like to live, I take the other part. And Lot didn't pray about this. Because otherwise he would... Uh, choose another land. He chose the twin cities there, Sodom and Gomorrah. And most of us, we have this impression that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is probably an ugly place and run-down place. I believe it was a very prosperous place. I believe it was high culture. Maybe they had the best universities. Maybe they had the finest restaurants. Because Lot's wife liked to live there. She really loved these places. But places, you have to be careful where you live because every place where you live will make an impact to you. So if you live in a very, uh, yeah, I don't know how to say that. Let's leave it there the place where you live will have an impact in your mindset, how you think, how you act, how you talk, what you do in your free time. It always impacts you. I lived for a little while in London, England, in the east side of London, in uh, Hackney and in Shoreditch, and uh, it was all Muslim area. It impacted me. I didn't become a Muslim, but I uh, liked my neighbors. I liked them because they was friendly to me. I liked when I came to the super, to their supermarket. I brought always I brought clothes with me to uh, for the homeless people in my car. And one day I was uh, heading for America, and there was a delay, and uh, I couldn't go to these places, so. Uh, I went to this office. I didn't know it was a Muslim office. Uh, But I came to this office and I said, hey, I have clothes here. Do you have some homeless people in the area? They said, yes. And they said, uh, uh, I said, I'd like to leave it here and you can distribute it to them. And they said, uh, we are Muslims. I introduced myself as a Christian pastor. And I said, you know what? I don't care if you're Muslims or not because God loves everybody. And I don't care if that's a homeless Muslim or if there's a homeless Christian or a homeless atheist. I don't care Uh, because God loves people. And they said, "Uh, Sir, we will pray on Friday in the mosque for you because you are a blessing to us. And I said, You can do that, yes. I'm not sure if it's working, but you can do that, you know. (laughs) Uh, We Christians are the people we should be the most loving people on that planet and but because uh, everything is so politicized now wearing a mask you must be a democrat uh, be vegan you must be definitely a, a democrat you, you know everything is so politicized let's just follow the word of God love your neighbors love your neighbors love your enemies love your president, pray for your president. You know, you probably don't agree in some of his things, but the Bible tells us to pray for our authorities. They didn't say if you like him, if you like his policies, they say pray for your authorities. If you do that, you do a favor to America. Um, so, uh, Lot, he choose these twin cities. Great place to live. Very prosperous. Uh, the reason why he became, or why he came to this Twin Cities uh, and this area was because his uh, animals, they, he, he was so rich now. And this area where they was together with Abraham couldn't hold both of them. So the whole reason why he came to this area, he uh, stopped it. And he became a politician. The Bible said he uh, talked to the people, but they never accepted him. He became a politician. And so it would be better for him to stay humble under his uncle, stay with him, serve him. God would probably bless him even more. But that was not the case. So they lived there. And one day, God came to Abraham and talked to him. And he said, Abraham, I will destroy these two cities. And immediately, Abraham uh, was thinking about his nephew and his family, his two daughters and their sons-in-law. And so Abraham said, no, uh, you know, if if I can you uh, ask you, would you destroy the cities if there's Fifty righteous people, you can't do. You this is totally against your nature, and God said, "No, I will not." And that's He said, um, "Wait a minute. What if there's thirty people?" Abraham said, uh, "God said, I will not destroy the city." So he was pleading with God, and we should do that too. For our country, for your country, for your city here, and. Uh, pray for our cities, pray for this country. I was very concerned on January 6th last year uh, because he was one step away from a civil war. And it's not even over. So pray for your country. And so Abraham, uh, they came down to 10 people and then God left him because there was not even 10 people, righteous people, in their two cities. And then God uh two angels came to lot's house the men in this city they tried to abuse them so this people they were so wicked and so these angels they made their way uh, into lot's home and they told him what god is what god is doing and lot said you know then we go to this place, and God said, "No uh, the angel said, no, let 's go to the mountain. It will be bad here the sons in law they couldn't believe that they they thought he is joking, and they stayed in Sodom and Gomorrah, and then they left the city, and in the moment they left the city, uh, lot's wife turned around because She couldn't see her bright future. She only could see what she is leaving now. This wonderful life in that Twin Cities. She became immediately a pillow of salt. If you look back, like Lot's uh, wife, you probably become, we are the salt of the earth, you probably become, not physically, but spiritually, a pillow of salt. If God delivered you from your past, if God delivered you from alcoholism, from uh, abusing, drug abuse, or whatever it is, and you look back, it's a bad thing. Because God delivered you, set you free, changed your life. And then the story didn't end there. Lot took his two daughters, they lived in this mountain area, and these two daughters probably thought there's no human mankind anymore, we are the only ones, and probably we will never have children. And so, I don't know, but maybe incest was a regular common thing in Sodom and Gomorrah. But they came up with the idea, we make our daddy drunk and then we will have children from him. And that's what he did. And so this uh, two daughters became pregnant. One daughter she called her son Moab. And the other daughter called her son Ammon. And uh, they became very uh, large tribes. I have a little difficult time with my language because I was not so long in, in for such a long time in America. I hope you understand everything I'm saying. So, uh, but the tribe of Moab and Ammon they became the biggest enemies for uh, until even until now for the children of Israel. So there was alcoholism, there was incest, there was all kind of perverted lifestyles, and. Um, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Micah, they said, Moab, the children of Moab, are cursed. They live under a curse, for they was cursed by God. And then we, when we go, uh, go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, there is this genealogy, this lineage, where Jesus Christ comes from. And we read there, right in the middle, I think it's verse 5, the mother of Jesse, or the grandmother of Jesse, was Ruth the Moabite. Wait a minute, this lady was cursed, or came from a cursed tribe, but here she ends up in this genealogy of Jesus Christ. How in the world can a cursed or a lady from a cursed woman uh, become, or uh, ended up in this genealogy, in this uh, lineage. The story in the book of Ruth tells us that there was a famine in Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. Sometimes there are famines in the house of bread. The church is the house of bread, you know. You you are fed here by your pastors. Right. But sometimes every church has this, there are good times and sometimes there are low times, not so good times. Church, church is going through a little crisis. So Elimelech and Naomi, they left a blessed country It was not for a little season. There was famine there. There was hunger there. But they left their place and moved to a cursed place. This cursed place was even in that moment more blessed than Bethlehem from the natural looking eye. There was food there. So Elimelech, he told his wife, we will go to the Moabites because uh, they're more blessed and maybe Ruth would say but you know we are the blessed people we should stay here with our people this famine will go over. I encourage you never leave your church even if they have a hard time. It's like a marriage, you know. Every marriage has some little issues from time to time. I had one or two with my wife too, you know. But uh, for us, a no-go is divorce. From the beginning, we, we said, we w- walk everything out. And I'm 42 years married now. And she still believes I'm looking good. And I said, God, please keep her that way, keep her blind that way, you know. <laughs> What I'm saying is sometimes we leave a blessed church just because the other church looks a little, their bathroom's a little bit better. Or their, uh, their service is a little shorter. Or I can, uh, whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I believe uh, Naomi was the more spiritual person in their marriage. So when they came to Moab uh, they integrated very much. The old rabbis they they teach uh, Elimelech and his two sons died very soon because they integrated too much. Amen. I mean when someone comes from another country to America they should integrate here. Should learn the language. Should learn Uh, the lifestyle but uh, they should keep their faith you know uh, if I come would integrate here I would keep my Christian faith the majority probably in America I don't know yet uh, the majority in America is probably has a Christian background but uh, the Jewish people they integrated in all the countries but they never let their faith go And that's what Elimelech did. He worshipped their gods. They brought uh, sacrifices to their idols and demons. And so that was the reason, that's what the rabbis teach, why they died very soon. So now Naomi was alone, no husband, no no one who will take care about her. She told her to... uh, Daughters in law, uh, you stay here and I will go back to Bethlehem. I heard there is now the famine is over. I will go back. And one daughter in law said, Yeah, uh, that's a great idea. Uh, wish you the best. And she stayed in, in Moab. But Ruth chose to go with her mother in law. I believe. And it's true, it's in the Bible, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and because it's in the plural there, it's faith cometh by hearing. I believe uh, Naomi was talking constantly about God, how God helped them, blessed them, protected them during all these years. She probably talked about how God brought them out of uh, slavery in Egypt. And so, therefore, Ruth made that statement in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16, And treat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. There was a supernatural change in her A supernatural conversion and she became one of the children of God. She married in uh, Bethlehem, she married a young man Boaz, was a pretty rich guy. They had a child his name was Obed. When Obed was an adult he had uh, a son with his wife, his name was Jesse. And Jesse when he was an adult he uh, Married and uh, they had a son. His name was David. And so on. And on the end, it was Jesus. So what I'm saying this morning, or or that is what I try to say, is you can change your family tree. Your past can be over. When you come from a bad past, my wife and I, our past was... Uh, our families, there was all kinds of abuse. Alcohol abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. There was all kinds of things. But I made one great decision. I made actually two great decisions in my life. The first one was making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. And my second best decision, when I was reading in the Bible, that God will fulfill all your needs And provide you everything. I said, Jesus, my biggest need is a girl. (laughs) Help me. I'm a guy. I'd like to have a girl. But don't give me an ugly one. I'd like to have a beautiful one. (laughs) And Jesus provided. I think she's the most beautiful still in the world, you know. And so you can change your destiny by changing or making some good decisions. Right. Um, in, a few years ago, uh, I was in an in African-American church in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, or in this area, and my grandfather, he talked about Norfolk, Virginia pretty often because he was serving in Adolf Hitler's army and became a prisoner of war uh, uh by the end of the war in uh, and he came to they put him on a boat and he came to one of this prisoners camp in Norfolk Virginia and he said it was brutal we deserved it he said I was wrong uh, I mean uh, a lot of people they they would tell you, you we didn't know where did it will end we didn't know and I think some the most people they if they try to, to came to the truth they would see what's what's going on in Germany when they started persecuting all the Jews when they start uh, bringing all the Jews in uh, concentration camps if they would like to know the truth they would, they would know it. So anyway, my grandfather he said I was wrong I was fighting for the wrong people I was fighting for the wrong ideology and so they put him in this prisoner camp and um, Then he came back after two years serving in that camp, and they put him on a boat to England, and in England they took him for another year uh, in that prisoner's camp in England, and after I think seven years away from his family, he came back home. And he was changed, he signed a piece of agreement uh, with the American government, he will never touch a gun again, and he never did. And now, Germany was divided because Germany lost, World War II was divided in these four zones, uh, the British zone, the French zone, in the south uh, west. there was the American uh, controlled territory and on the east side there was this Russian controlled um, territory. And of course the Russians, they uh, introduced their new ideology, socialism and communism uh, to this area. And um, my father, he was, by the time when his, uh, my grandfather came back, he was a teenager, and he uh, uh, became interested in this new ideology because it sounded so good, it, ju- it sounded great. Uh, he didn't know it will end up in dictatorship. And so my, my father became a communist, and therefore uh, I had never saw, I've never seen a Bible until I was 19 years old I was never in a church service I never had anything to do with Christians and so um, but then uh, when I was in uh, preaching in this African American church in Norfolk uh, I realized uh, 75 years later my grandfather was walking this pastor he brought me to that place and 75 years later I'm here I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God turned my life totally around. I, I, I didn't deserve that, I didn't earn it. It was just by the grace and by the mercy of God. And I'm standing there, a changed person. You know, in Germany, I, I talked yesterday a little bit with pastor, and uh, we, the Germans still today have a big trauma about what's happened or what our nation did to Europe or to uh, the Jewish people. And uh, even I was not born in that time, we feel a huge responsibility to take care or to, yeah, to take care about uh, uh, the Jewish people and do something against anti-Semitism, against nationalism, against racism, because that's all uh, out of the pit of hell. It's not from God. We should love our country, but we should not think that we're better than other countries. Or our blood is more valuable than the other blood. That's what's going on right now in the Ukraine. You know? And so what I'm saying is God came in, into my life I was messed up I was in, came to the communist army I didn't like to go to the communist army but I have to otherwise they would put me in jail and so I was drinking, smoking and then uh, uh, I did all bad things and, but then somebody gave me that bible and these little bible tracks and I, it really I, shocked is the wrong word but it really touched me and I, I realized this is the answer for my life. Amen. This is what I need. I don't need all that. Uh, you know, Lot's wife, she looked back. She liked all the things. When I look back, I don't like to have that back in my life. Yes, right. I don't need that in my life. And so why, finally, one day I went back to my knees and I said, Jesus, I'm not sure how to do that. I saw that, you know, Christians, they're knee, kneeing down some sometime. I thought that's a proper way to do that. So I put my machine, my AK-47, aside. And I said, Jesus, please come in my life. Help me. I need you. And he came. And everything changed. The problem was... Uh, I had, uh, I was reading every night uh, the Bible, you know, I, I, it's not a joke, but I already did it, and I'm not proud of it, but uh, I was smoking, uh, lighting up a cigarette, have a glass of vodka, and read one chapter in the Bible. (laughs) After one chapter, I lighted up another one, had another drink, and then next chapter, and some nights I was reading a lot, I tell you, I was reading a lot. (laughs) But then, and that's the good part, uh, when you read the Bible, the Bible changes you. There is something with that word of God. It is because it is God's word. That's why it's so powerful. It changes your desires. I tell you, if you have uh, some issues in your life, start uh, your daily Bible reading because that is the answer for your life. And it becomes, you, you become fed by the word of God. And so uh, uh, one night uh, an officer came to our room. There was 10 guys or 10 or 12 guys in that room. And so uh, they checked all the closets uh, for some illegal things like alcohol was illegal in that time and uh, some other, maybe some books. And, and so they found my Bible. And this officer was very mad and he said, this is anti-communistic material. And I couldn't argue because it is. The Bible uh, is, you know, uh, humanism put humans in the center of everything. Christianity put God in the center of everything. And that's why both can't exist together. And so they took the Bible away and uh, finally i had some uh, little appointments some people one night they came in my room and they beated me up uh, just because they believed i'm i'm a very strong christian and um, or other days, they, uh, I had, they woke me up at night and I, outside there was a heavy rain and they gave me an order to water all the flowers outside. I said, there's a heavy rain. There's no, they said, it's an order you had to get out. So three o'clock in the morning, I was watering all the flowers during a heavy rain. It's just they like to make my life harder. Why was that? I never understood why they did this. The reason for it, if you are a committed Christian, nobody scares you. Nobody can control you because you are submitted to a higher authority and that makes you a dangerous person because you seeking God's will, you seeking God's answers and if somebody said, oh, you know, we we should do this or that, you say, hey, I, I have already my orders from God. The other thing is we should obey the government. Don't misunderstand me. If you have a democratic government, what I believe you have, even if the present is not that what you probably like, uh, it's still a democracy here in America, and we should obey uh, our government. I know that's pretty touchy uh, things right now. Um, I couldn't obey my government because they was totally against the Bible, totally against my beliefs and uh, so uh, that's why we started a church and uh, an underground church even if that was illegal so um, when you grow up in in a country where they tell you we can do uh, with you everything, everything we we like to do we can do Uh, uh, even if uh, we kill you uh, nobody will ask about you, nobody uh, because you're just a number when you grow up like that, you develop like a kind of a slave mentality. You know? And I had this. I, I needed uh, the faith message. I needed uh, this books from Brother Hagen about the authority of the believer because it helped me to see myself in a different way. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not... I have the authority of a believer. I can do uh, because I can do whatever it is because of the power of Jesus Christ in my life. Uh, So living in in East Germany was bad. We was poor. How do you know you are poor? If poor people tell you you are poor, then you know you're (laughs) poor, right? I, 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 my main example, I always tell here in America, because a lot of people don't know uh, what you have in this country, you complain about $5 a gallon of gas, we pay 11 so what I'm saying, I'm always amazed when I go to this superstore, supermarkets, about all these choices you have, you know, hundreds of packages of cereal, different types, and uh, I'm always amazed because I had only one choice. Take it or leave. <laughs> right. Take what's there or leave. That really, uh, I didn't know how bad it was until the wall came down. And I went to West Germany. Then I realized, man, that was bad. Standing in line for one banana and one orange for Christmas for every person in your house just once a year is different. It makes something with you. When I came to America, and I checked into this hotel, and there was this basket of bananas and oranges, and this lady, I asked her, I said, can I take a banana and an orange? She said, oh, if you like, take it all. And that's what I did. <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. So I, I realized that was bad. Your neighbors, you couldn't open up yourself and talk freely to your neighbors because they probably were spying on you and report your conversation to the secret police. Even if you go to some of these East European countries, the old people, they still put their hand before their mouth because of lip reading. They still do that. If you live in in an environment like this, it changes you. But I realized I need to get, I need to take it out of my life. I don't like to live with that slave mentality. And that's why all these faith books were so necessary for me to read it To And it changed me. It changed my personality. I was not anymore looking down and whispering something. I could look somebody straight in the eyes and talk to them. And so there was a lot of people, they, they liked to have a different type of church, and we said, hey, uh, what we do is we, we will pray together, and then we seek God's, uh, what God is doing. And so we uh, invited them to our house. By that time, we didn't have a house. Uh, it was an apartment. But very soon, we, it was necessary for us to have another place because we had 50 people in our prayer group. And in an environment where people spying on you, it was very, very noticed that we have a kind of a church. One day I was walking with my wife in a, in a park area and there was a total beat-up house, absolute beat-it-up. And she said to me, if we could remodel this, would, it would be great. For that, uh, And so I, I went to the, uh, to the mayor... And, but before that, I prayed and I said, Jesus, is that our house? And we can remodel that. And he said, yeah, take it. I don't know how to take it. I run seven times around because I thought the children of Israel, they took Jer- uh, uh, Jericho. So I was running around that house seven times. The neighbor, they looked like, what, what's wrong with you? And I said, Jesus, it's mine now. Now. I went to the mayor on the next day, and the mayor, he was a communist, and he said to me, I said, what do you want? I said, sir, there is this house there, total beat up. Uh, you use it right now as a, as a kindergarten, um, but I'd like to buy that. Is, can you, is it for sale? And he said, no, it's not for sale, but even if you, uh, if, if it would be for sale, I would never sell it to you because I don't like you. And I said, sir, I feel the same way. (laughs) But if you change your mind sometime, uh, I would love to have it and to buy it. Every day I was praying for that house. And I said, Jesus, you gave me that house. It's mine. I take it. And two years later, and I really, and that's not a lie, I prayed every day for that house. And so... One day, the mayor knocked on our door, and I said, hello, sir, uh, can I help you? And he said, you know, you I changed my mind. Uh, this house is for sale. And I said, why do you change your mind? He said, you know, we have an election coming up. And we needed some more voters, and maybe that changed your mind, because I heard you don't like to go uh, to the election. I said, yeah, sir, as long as there is a Berlin Wall, I will not vote. And as long as there is only one party to vote, uh, I will not vote. He said, you know, if you change your mind, uh, but you can buy that house. I said, how much do you have in mind? He said, 5,000 East German Mark. That was a lot of money for me in that time. And my wife immediately stepped in and said, no, uh, that's too much, and we have to do a lot of remodeling, and, and so uh, he said, what do you have in mind? And she said, 1,800 uh, East German Mark, we didn't have one dime, you know, so, and I said, honey, what are you doing? And and so she said, I agree, uh, and it's a done deal, so we shook hands, and he said, come t- uh, tomorrow, we sign a contract, and then the payment is in about two weeks, And and so we He left and I said, honey, what have you done? We have no money. We can't do it. We're actually in the red right now. So, she said, "Uh, you know what, we can sell that tape recorder we just got as a present for our wedding, a Japanese tape recorder. She said, we can sell it on the black market and uh, we can have at least 1,500 Deutschmark and we will borrow the other 300 and we have that house. And that's what we did. So I exchanged the tape recorder for house. Uh, th- two years ago we totally remodeled everything and after the wall came down we remodeled again put the, real, the new standard on it. Uh, I did everything by myself uh, because I was an electrician I know how to deal w- uh, with that thing. So we did everything by ourselves. I sold this house three years ago for 300 times more than I bought it. God. Why I'm telling you this? I'm telling you this. It's not my uh, intellect. It's my, not my, because I'm a smart person or my wife is a smart person. It's because Jesus uh, came into our life and he set things up for us. So then we started our service in that house and one day I I realized there was two fisher guy they had fishing rods and uh, in front of our house there was a little pond and that thing was so full of chemicals I thought they are stupid there's no fish in that pond but then uh, uh, during I'm preaching I realized they came by our house and they took a little notepad out and they wrote down all the license plates and then I knew this is secret police, and I, I, I I'm a shocking uh, was going through my body. I could feel that because I know what they do with people if they don't like uh, if they don't like them, and so I, I prayed, and I said, Jesus, what can I do? I know they can arrest me they will uh, take my children away they will give them to other parents for adoption they would put my wife in jail or in prison and uh, what can I do and I heard very clear write a letter to the secret police and ask for a permission to have the first non-denominational church in our country I wrote that letter The problem was, I didn't have an address from the secret police. They are secret, you know. (laughs) so They have no physical address. So then I wrote it, but after two weeks, I put it in the mailbox, after two weeks, I got an answer. They invited me to Berlin, and so I went with a friend of mine and my wife, and uh, they put, when we came to this gate, there was this guards there, they put my wife, away, took her photo idea, they put me in another room, took my photo idea just probably to scare us. And I I realized I was scared and after a while they brought us back into this room and there was this five people sitting and they uh, uh, they they made fun of us, they made jokes, and then finally they said, they made sexual jokes about my wife, and finally, and I was ready to, to punch them, you know, to, uh, but I couldn't do that, because uh, they would put us in jail immediately. So anyway, um, finally they said, we will never allow another church, because there's already too many, and we don't like to have churches in our country. And I learned from Brother Samuel. he always said, if people say, it will never happen, we will not allow this, that's the moment when God steps in. You know, when it's impossible, that's the moment. When you, all your options, they are, you have no options anymore. That's the moment when God steps in. And so I... um, They kicked us out and they said, by the way, if you don't uh, play by the rules or follow the rules, we put you in prison and we, for the rest of your life we can do that. So they kicked us out. On my way out, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, prophesy. I don't know what prophesy mean by that time, but I know it means probably I speak the will of God. And so I Walked out, put my hand to this wall. The cameras were zooming me. Soldiers were running after me. And I said, Jesus, what you did for Moses, you can do for me too. You are not a respecter of persons. Let my people go. And then they kicked me out, kicked my wife out, the other, our friend. And um, two, three weeks later... The American president, Ronald Reagan, he came to Berlin visit and he had this famous speech at the Brandenburg Gate and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, if you seek prosperity and peace for the East European nations, tear down that wall and the second time, open this gate, he said. I was sitting on the other side, I had a little antenna on the roof and could hardly see uh, President Reagan on the TV and and I was sitting there in my Viet- i know I had a Vietnamese walking suit on you know uh, and I was crying there, and I said, "God, how can it be possible A little bit later, a year later also, there started these demonstrations, little demonstrations. Uh, in some people, they was against the government and they tried to find a way uh, for a change. So they went to the Lutheran church and they called it prayer for peace, they never prayed. But they, but they came and had their meetings in this church. And the meetings grew, there was, in the beginning it was 50, then it was 100, and then 500, and then 1,000. And after, in a period of one year, they grew to 250,000. In January uh, 1989, excuse me, in February, March 1989, we had a prayer meeting in our church. And by that time, we rented another facility. And so we had this prayer meeting, and there was the Spirit of God in that meeting like never before. And something was broken in that meeting. And I realized, I said, people, listen to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, speak change to your country. Speak with your words, change to this country. Change to the government, change to the school system, change to the police stations, change to the laws. Freedom is coming. And the church, we, that night we went out and we declared it everywhere. And change was coming. In the month of June, the government of Hungary decided to put down their, their uh, border fences to Austria, what made a way for the East Germans going to Hungary and going through Austria uh, to, to West Germany. And that was amazing. And more changes. There was a mass uh, was a mass exodus out of East Germany and the government they didn't know how to handle all this and so they uh, talked to lawyers and secret police people were sitting down how can we handle this situation and they made uh, a law and on that night on November 9th 1989 on that night uh, the guy who should talk about this law made a mistake it was not signed up to do that on that night. He was reading this to the people. It was actually a mistake and now thousands of people was going to all the checkpoints to West Germany and finally these border guards they had to give up and they opened the wall. I, I thought it that is impossible but then I drove to the police station next day and they said yes you you can go borders open and so i said okay this is my time i'm going to america i will take my wife i will walk for four flight tickets i'm on my way to america and that night i prayed and i said god is that my time to go to america and he said no i need you here give up your dreams for my dream I said, God, this is probably, maybe they shut down the border again and it will be be worse than ever before. And he said, no, they will not, but build the church here. There will be a time when you go to America, but build my church here. And so I was the autobahn, we have the autobahn, you know, uh, on the side to West Germany, the autobahn was full of cars. And here, one or three calls on that side back to East Germany. We built a church, and that was wonderful. We had a lot of people. They came through our church. We blessed a lot of people. We helped a lot of people. And I realized if I, I changed by a few decisions, I changed my family tree, just a few decisions, what I'm saying is, I I know b- before the, the wall came down, I had two boys, my, my uh, obligation or my responsibility was uh, my wife, she prepares the meal and I have to take the boys to their bedroom and read them the Bible, pray with them and read them another like encyclopedia for, you know, that was my obligation my responsibility and I I did this every night I know one time my little son he came up he was four years old and he said daddy one day I will go to England I said what would you like to do in England he said I will study there I will become an artist and how do you tell your son he will never go to England because there's a wall a border Uh, And if you try to go illegally, they will shut you. So I said, son, what we do is we pray every night together that one day you will be in England. And so when the wall came down, I knew uh, a a friend from England called me and he said, hey, come over to England and uh, we will spend a week together in London. And uh, and I know that was my son's prayer. He prayed for that. Never underestimate a little boy's or girl's prayer. One day I came to his bedroom, and he had this picture from the Queen of England. I thought, what's wrong with that boy? (laughs) When I was a young teenager, I had beautiful girls on my bedside, but he has this old (laughs) ugly lady, you know. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. The the Queen, this week, 70 years in in office, I I shouldn't say that. She's a wonderful person. Probably I didn't know her well. But what I'm saying is, I asked him, I said, why do you have this picture? He said, Daddy, that reminds me to pray every day. One day I will be in England. So now, two years later, we was on our way to England. And I'm always, I like history. I always want to go to oxford university because they have this little chapel this little church there where john and charles wesley george whitfield where they started their holy ghost club and i said guys take your tea time i'm drop me off here in in oxford and so that's what we did we drove to oxford and they dropped me there off and they had some tea time and i was sitting there for at least one hour in that little chapel and i prayed i said god thank you you know when you, when you uh, had this song this morning uh, that God was faithful all the time? You know, that's what I felt, what I was feeling in that moment when I was sitting there. A free, I'm a free person now. I'm sitting there. I have a great family. I have a great wife, great sons. But then I was a little sad and I, tears came down. I said, Jesus, I could never study in the university during East German time. My wife, she could never be to, uh, go and have her, had her dream to become a medical doctor because she was a Christian. And they never allowed this. And so, but Jesus, I said, if you can, please, give, help me that my children have a great education. P- if you can, you know, that's stupid. God can do everything. Right. Everything is possible by faith, and so and so I was sitting there, and I said, Please help us. I tell you, my son he came to England and he studied uh, art, he became a sculptor, an artist, and he uh, later he went to when he uh, he uh, he was uh, the most the best in his class, foreign class, and so his uh, his teacher, his professor. Asked him, he said, "Jacob, what what do you like to do after this?" He said, "I'd like to do my master somewhere," and uh, the uh, professor said, "You know, you should go to Yale University." And my son said, "Oh, we don't have that kind of money. My my parents they lived in East Germany. They couldn't sa- never could save money for that." And he said, "But try it. They give scholarships. Try it." What he didn't know was his uh, professor wrote a letter to Yale. They was very connected with them, and they recommended him. And so, uh, letter came back, and they uh, they said, uh, "We accept you as as a student in our." Uh, college here and you have a 100% free scholarship you know when you when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior he set up your future he's doing it Uh, even if you make some mistakes even if you uh, do some yeah you didn't know it better whatever make some mistakes if you go back to him and you ask for his help, for his forgiveness, he will always be on your side. And so uh, now he had two degrees from Yale University. My, my oldest son, he, uh, he should never be born uh, because his life was so attacked. Uh, when my wife was pregnant, um, uh, she had a kind of a virus and the doctor said, with that virus, your child will be blind, deaf, or mental ill, uh, you should abort that child. And you know we, we, we had nobody who teached healing or anything like that, so we were scared. What should we do? We can't abort that child. This is against my belief, I, I can't do that. But on the other side, so we went to a, a, a Lutheran preacher and we said, what should we do? And the uh, Lutheran preacher said, oh you should abort that child. Uh, because because, uh, why should be, uh, the world have one more handicapped child? And so uh, that was not helpful. So we, we had our da- times, and you, probably you know how that feels. One day you stay in faith, and one day you are absolute on, on the bottom, you know. And we had this for nine months. Uh, seven months because uh, she found out after two months that she had this infection. To make a long story short, after when my wife delivered the baby, my wife had a totally healthy, fine, great, good-looking baby. (laughs) I think he he was attacked because what he is doing now. He is doing working, uh, re-write, or um, make Jewish history uh, known in in Germany, and so he he is a smart guy. I mean, if I read his essays, I need the encyclopedia, you know, because uh, I always say that comes from God and from my wife, not from me, you know. So anyway, uh, my daughter she got a good a good education too. The problem with her was on on the end uh, when uh, my wife delivered the baby, this umbilical cord was around her neck, and her face when when the doctor took the baby her face was almost dark blue and the doctor said this girl will never memorize anything there's too much too long this lack of oxygen but God and I tell you uh, it was hard with her to teach her something Uh, she really couldn't memorize things but then we uh, Uh, it was the time of the Iraq War uh, and there was all these anti-demonstrations going on in Germany. Everybody was, uh, and I I never understood that why. uh, Kick out the dictator, uh, what's wrong with that? You know, deliver, bring freedom to... Uh, there's nothing wrong. But for some reason, there uh, they was anti-American spirit. And and I was in America in a conference, and my wife called me, and she said, I'm so fed up with that. You know what we do... Uh, why don't we go to America for a few months? Show our children that America is a great country, that they are, they are not haters, they are not killers, they are not uh, anti-people, you know? And that's what we did. We came over to America and we had a great, uh, one of the best times in our life in California. And in that school, uh, my, we brought our daughter to a school in California, and in that school, they treated my daughter like she's not ill. And so they helped her uh, to believe a little bit in herself but also their methods was a little different. And then we brought her to a music school and that helped uh, to, ve- to develop the brain and it helped. I believe all of these steps was all ordered by God. Amen. And then she, we put her in an international school and she picked up English like that. And she became the best in class. And I said, honey, what do you like to do? And she said, I'd like to become a lawyer. And so, remember, the doctor said she will never memorize anything. God can change everything. So, a few years ago, she uh, had her master's degree from London School of Economics and Political Science. And then later, she had a barrister school. She received that week. What they, what they have in courtroom, you know. She's a full-time lawyer right now. What I'm saying is, it's not because I'm bragging or how, how you, I'm not great. God is great. I, I can't do the good decisions. God makes the good decisions. But he, he, you have to say yes to him. Yes to him. God can change everything. I have one story and, and then I, I will be finished. I'm sorry, it's a little long here. Um, so, you know, our decisions uh, create our future. Make Jesus Christ uh, your Lord and Savior. In in our country, uh, I live in the, uh, in the south of East Germany. We have a very bad accent. If you have a stupid, if you, Uh, have a stupid guy in the movie, he has my accent. (laughs) Like a hillbilly accent, or it's true. Uh, But I'm good with that. I have no problems. But in the south of that state, Saxonia area, uh, we had 200 years ago, we had a a very rich man, but uh, before he became this rich person, uh, he was from a kind of a royal family, and he was a count, and um, in the age of, I think, 13, he made a commitment in a covenant with God. And he said, with two, uh, three friends together, they said, we will help each other uh, if somebody's in need. We always will help poor people if they are in need. We always will help refugees if they are in need. And we always will support the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the little city, Moravia, today's Czech Republic's territory, they had a revival there. But they was persecuted by the Catholic Church. And so they run to our south border, and they came to this account. Uh, now he was an adult, now he had uh, all this in, uh, heritage, and and he was a rich, the richest man in our in our state. And they asked him, "Can we settle down here uh, in your area?" And he said, "Of course." And they created a settlement, and the settlement is called Hernhut, what translates mean under God's protection. Good, pretty good name for a city. So they had their built their houses there. They had their fields there, and but. As after a while, you know, they became a little lukewarm Christians. And if you become a lukewarm Christian, uh, you f- probably fight each other. You know, they have these issues, and the people are jealous, and that was there. The, so their, their services actually was just formal. There was not really uh, born-again people anymore. And so um, when Sinsdorf realized that, he... Um, Took his horse invited everybody to a church meeting and he preached about the unity of the body of Christ and so when he did this the Holy Spirit fall into this meeting and they uh, there was this conviction uh, this we are sinners we we did so bad to each other and they cried they hugged each other they asked for forgiveness and it was a beautiful service out of the service uh, they said we need to pray uh, we start a prayer movement. And they prayed from this day on every day, 24 7. Do you know how long? How many years? 119 years. They prayed there. And so, since one day he was uh, uh, ready to receive an honor from the king of Denmark. And uh, for the first time in his life, when he was there, he saw a black man, and he said, my heart reached out to this man. He said, I need, I'd like to preach the gospel to this people. And so this former Moravian people, they became the Moravians, and they, uh, Zinsdorf, he trained missionaries, and he said, we need to send these missionaries out. And so after two years, the two first missionaries was ready to go. And so they booked a ship, uh, 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 purchased some tickets for a ship to the West Indies. You know, like today, in the bottom of the boat, there was economy. Uh, In the middle, there was business class. And on top, there was first class. In the bottom of that boat, there was all the slaves, black people. And so these two missionaries, they talked to the captain, and they said, Captain, we need to... Preach the gospel to this people, and he said, "Oh no, they are not humans, so it's not allowed. We can't do that." And and he and they said, "No, we believe there's one creation and one Creator, and we believe everybody is equal." They said, "No, we don't believe that, so you can't do that." And so they said, "What if we are?" Uh, he said, "You can preach if you are slaves." And so they made a poster, and it's a true story. They made a poster. Put it around their neck, and they wrote on that poster, "If you purchase us for this amount of money, we will serve you as slaves for the rest of your life." That day, these two missionaries sold themselves in slavery. When they came down to the bottom of that boat, all the black people, they said, uh, "What are you doing here?" They said, "We are slaves." Oh, no, white people are not slaves. Uh, They said, yes, we, we just sold ourselves into slavery. And they said, why are you doing this? And they said, because someone became a slave for us. That night, that night, every slave received Jesus Christ. Every slave became born again before that boat reached the West Indies every person on that boat got saved. When these people, these two missionaries, when they died, um, after years, they sent their bodies back in caskets to Germany. And a few years ago, I was on Zinzendorf's grave there. There's just a plate there. And right next to him is this graves from these two missionaries. And an old man I was uh, looking this and an old man came by he normally makes tours there and he told me that story I start crying because I have an ego you have an ego I have flesh you have flesh sometimes I have a strong will and God needs to talk to my second Holy Spirit, that's my wife, you know, if I'm not listening to the first one, <laughs> he uses her. Uh, and sometimes we don't do or live God's will. And so I, it was snow there, I went to my knees and I started crying. And I said, Jesus, please help me. Deliver me from my ego. Deliver me from all that flesh, you know and help help me to become a person like them. And so I try to do my best uh, to be a a faithful servant. Uh, Maybe you didn't like my message, maybe some of my opinions uh, but maybe some of my opinions didn't fit in your opinions. But I tell you what, opinions are opinions. Listen what God is talking to you. Don't look back. Change your family tree and become this person Jesus can use in these last days. Let's pray together. Jesus, I I thank you. I thank you for, for your people here. Holy Spirit, take the things out. What's not from you. And put all the things in your people, these wonderful people, who listen by the internet, who listen here in the church. What you like to put in them. Bless everybody in this room. If you are here and you never made Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that would be a great time now. If you're on the internet here, you never did this. It's a good time now. Maybe you, uh, you have the same conviction when I had it there on that, on that, uh, on that uh, funeral, not funeral uh, cemetery. When I had this uh, overwhelming conviction that God, that I need a restart and God need to change me. Maybe you have that. It's a good time now. Let's pray, Jesus, please come into my life, change my life, deliver me from myself, deliver me from my flesh, deliver me from my opinions, deliver me from my ego, and make me this person so can you can use me in your kingdom. Bless everybody now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, I have a book out, and uh, I have so many, I have to sell them. So if you would come out, uh, if you come out, uh, it's talking a little bit more about faith behind the iron curtain. Also, I have uh, a little USB. I'm reading that book on that USB. It's an English language, of course, and uh, you can join me outside there. Thank you very much for having me here. Have a great Pentecost Sunday.